Thanks. I don't I don't get applause in Diamond Bar. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to arrange come here more often. <laughs> really good to see you this morning. Glad to be here. Um, in this message series, what we've been talking about is uh, the need to team together on several levels to accomplish God's work in the world, and. We've been exploring God's design for the church to team together to accomplish his mission for us. And if you think about it, all of the important endeavors in life require a team effort. You know, you, we, we raise children in teams called families. If you want to have a solid career, you want to do well, you have to learn to team together at work. You have to be a team player. And if you want your life to make an internal impact uh, you join God's team and you become a part of what he's doing in in the world. Um, the work of God advances not as individuals do good deeds, but as they team together to do God's work. Now, God could do his work any way that he wants to. Um, but what he's done is he's chosen to work through individuals and uh, the the believers who make up the churches to accomplish his work. This is this is how he gets his work. A friend of mine says, when God works, his people get blisters. And and that's the way that's the way it is. So in the teaming series, we're highlighting the importance of individual Christ followers teaming with other Christ followers in the church to do God's work. And we're also talking about the way this church and several other churches team together to accomplish some giant goals that we could never accomplish alone. So this is where we're headed this morning. Um, I'd like to just talk about teaming uh, in the scripture to begin with, give some big ideas about teaming um, that the Lord lays out in the Bible. And then I'd like to look more specifically at our, our 17.6 network of churches what we're trying to accomplish and different ways we're going about that. In team sports, it's crucial to be able to identify who belongs to which team, isn't it? I mean, you, you kind of need to know. See if you can identify which team is re- represented by this uniform here. <laughs> ah, easy. I threw you. I, I lobbed one to you. That was a lob. How about this team? Okay, now, now that, that's, I understand, I understand we're biased here. I do not believe that God is either a Trojan or a Bruin. Okay, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Just thought I'd throw that out there at the beginning. <laughs> um, here's an easy one, the names on the front of the uniform. Purple and gold around here, you think Lakers. This one still stings a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that hurts. I grew up really close to downtown L.A., and I'm, I bleed Dodger blue, so <laughs> that that one really hurts. And I understand Josh last week mentioned he's a Giant fan. Oh, hard to believe we're really good friends. But anyway, that one that one shows you who they are. Why don't teams mix it up a little bit and get creative? You know, I'm, I'm not feeling blue today. I, I want to wear orange. Why don't they do that? Or they, you, you decide to get extreme and 
kaleidoscope. I'm going to tie-dye my uniform today. And teams don't do that because colors establish identity. When you wear certain colors, people know which team you're on. And so the, the wearing the colors is a way that you identify as a part of the team you're on. In the same way, a Christ follower publicly identifies as a member of Jesus' team. This, this is very important. If you're going to be on a team, there must be a way for others to know you're a part of that team. When you put on a uniform, it shows which team you're on. And so we do the same as followers of Christ. And this is why it's important to let your family and friends know that you're a Christ follower, to identify with Christ. This is what Jesus told us to do. And it's so important that Jesus put it this way. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my father who is in heaven. So this is a very important thing to identify as a follower of Christ. And this is what baptism is all about. We celebrated baptism this fall. Um, it's one reason that Jesus commanded us to be baptized after we decide to follow Christ. It's to identify as a member of his team. This, this, this is why that's important. We also, though, need to identify as Christ followers in the different arenas we connect with through the week. So in, in our neighborhoods, at work, among friends, we, we need to identify. If we identify with him in these places, in these circles, it gives us a little less wiggle room in our attitudes and words and actions because we want to represent him well. We want to be a part of the team. We want to make him look good. And if we represent well, people around us could be drawn in to investigate what it means to follow Christ and possibly give their life to him. If you join the USC football team, you aren't the first one to be a part of that team. You're, you're stepping into a long tradition of team members who've come before you and some who will come after you. The colors you wear link you to the tradition of the team. Real people put on that uniform. They've worn those colors. And that adds a richness to what it means to being a Trojan or a Bruin or a Laker or a Dodger. And that's what it means to be a, a Christ follower. We, we step into a long tradition of folks who followed Christ before us. And this reality spurs you and I to live up to the best of those who've come before and to set the pace for those who are going to come after. Those aren't just colors that teams wear. They, they point to a team and an identity. And that's why teams are so serious about their colors. I mean, they fly their colors. They, some people weep at the sight of their colors. <laughs> I mean, this is a serious thing. So what's a Christ follower's uniform? Our uniform isn't a color. It's a mission. 
Here's the command Jesus gave his early followers. And Jesus came and said to them, this is in Matthew 28, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the close of the age. The identifying mark of a follower of Jesus Christ is obedience to his commands. And obedience is all wrapped up in our mission as Christ followers. That's what baptism is the first step of many that a disciple takes just to do what Jesus told us to do, just to follow his commands. People can see that we're a part of Jesus' team when we do what he told us to do, when we live the way he would want us to live, when we choose to live out the character and the attitudes and use the words that he would use if he were in our shoes. This is how people can identify that we're a part of his team. If you choose obedience to Jesus as you live your life, if you follow Christ, it contributes to this mission. It's it's like wearing the colors of the team. Because what happens is people begin to recognize, they begin to realize the flavor of those who follow Christ. If you choose obedience in your family, at your work, among your friends, in your neighborhood, and others do the same, so they, they, they know you, you live this way, these are the attitudes, this is the approach to life you take, other Christ followers they get to connect with, they, they find out that this is the way they live, these are the attitudes they choose, they begin to, to taste a flavor to life, the life of someone who follows Jesus Christ. And it matches up as like you're wearing the uniform because you're following Christ. This, this draws people to him. It's like getting around a restaurant, good barbecue. I was somewhere this week, and I, 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 don't, I don't even remember where, but I remember the smell, the flavor that just oh, drew me in there. <laughs> and I was really looking forward to that. It's like going home and you smell your favorite meal cooking. It, it draws you in. If you're hungry, whoa, you're, you're really drawn in. That's, that's what happens when we live out as Christ followers, when we do what Jesus said. People begin to realize we're a part of his team. They can identify what it means to be a part of his team. As you decide to follow Christ, he puts you on the team and he gives you a purpose. And there is nothing more significant than serving on his team. Because as we work together here in, in Church in the Valley to make disciples of Christ and to make more disciples, to help people decide to follow him, there's an eternal edge to our mission. Because what happens when somebody decides to follow Christ? They give their life to follow Christ. It's, it's usually a process. People begin to investigate Christ. They ask questions. There's a lot of questions. Try to get those nailed down. The moment that they decide to follow Christ, their eternal future changes. The trajectory of their future changes from moving into eternity 
to live separated from God in a place called hell to moving into eternity, living with God in a place called heaven. There's an eternal edge to what we're doing. This, this is what you see in the scripture. What a, what a privilege to team together in church to do something with this kind of significance. So one way we team together is by serving in the local church. Uh, if, if you're serving here in this church, the part you play is contributing to the most important work on earth to make disciples more and more of those who come to follow Christ. We can do much more teaming together than we can ever do separate. And our mission as a church body is too significant to try to pull it off alone. And it's the same with churches. In our 17.6 network of churches, we're experiencing the reality that we can do more together than we can separate. That's what we've been trying to do in this series is give you a glimpse of how this church body is a part of something much bigger that's going on around us. So the pastors and the churches of the 17.6 network were were pulling together to try to accomplish some some giant goals. And what you find in the Bible is teams working together compound effectiveness. And you see this in Philemon 6. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. I'd like to highlight three words in this verse. It's, it's just a one sentence, but it's packed with a lot of meaning for us as we try to live in teams. Uh, Partnership, effective, and understanding. The word partnership is uh, in the Greek. The New Testament was originally written in Greek, and often if you look at the, the words, the Greek words that are there, you can gain some more understanding about what God was trying to communicate here. But the Greek word for partnership would be transliterated into English as koinonia, and often that is that is translated fellowship. But what it literally means, that word koinonia, literally means mutual uh, reciprocity. Mutual reciprocity. That's what the word koinonia means, to give and receive. So the idea is I serve you, you, you serve me, I give to you, I receive from you, And in the give and receive that goes on as a team works together and as we do life together here in the church body, our effectiveness, our growth in Christ is compounded. That's what this verse is saying. It it becomes exponential. The passage says it makes us effective, which transliterated with the word in Greek would be energos, energy. The idea of that word is that the partnership, the teamwork, infuses energy into our growth and it compounds the effect of our, on our understanding of all we have in Christ. And understanding is the last word I want to look at. It's epinosis, which literally is recognition. 
as you work as a team, you you see things that you wouldn't see. You recognize things that you would never see if you're trying to do life alone. That's why it's so important to connect with a church body, to get in teams, to get in groups, to get to know the people in those groups and on those teams and and it's a process it takes it takes time to be willing to connect and open up but it the the partnership the give and receive of the the teamwork that goes on compounds our growth so we can grow so much faster together than we can ever grow alone And so this is why it's so important to cooperate in our mission, to work as a team. This passage shows us that the giving back and forth in teamwork empowers and energizes our growth in Christ likeness. And this compounding effect is true for individuals who connect to the church body. And we're finding it's true for churches who connect as well as a network of churches. We're working together to do more than we could ever do alone. And I'd like to give you a brief overview of the vision and the mission of the 17.6 Network and talk a little bit about why we're trying to accomplish this. Uh, Our vision is to see life-changing churches multiplying throughout the cities of the world. Now, by life-changing churches, we mean something specific. We want to have a church culture that shapes God's values in those who participate in every, every church or every organization, every group that you become a part of, it has a set of values that begin to rub off on the people who participate in it. And every Bible-believing church that I know of is going to want to be the kind of place where people are drawn into more and more following Jesus Christ, living by his character and attitudes, but this is a focus of ours. We, we want to be like a river that when a person steps into church life in our churches, it's pulling them in a, in a certain direction toward the things that really matter to God, toward the kingdom values, as we call them. And we want to multiply churches that have this kind of culture that pulls people toward what's important to God, toward kingdom values. Not, not a raging uh, current that just knocks you over, and came, but, but a gentle pull that allows you to make your own mind up as you get involved to commit to do what God's called us and given us to do in church life. So the core DNA of a life-changing church is a culture that shapes kingdom values. And this takes concerted and concentrated effort to create. So we work on this together. Uh, a kingdom culture shows up in churches in two ways. The way we relate and the way we work together. So we have a set of values that we want to live out as we relate in church life. We call those the hard attitudes. And the first four of those hard attitudes are all of the hard attitudes, all the values, you find them in Scripture. We've, we haven't 
added them to the scripture, but we pulled them out of the scripture. And the first four hard, first four hard attitudes are um, put the goals and interests of others above your own within scriptural limits, uh, live an honest and open life before others, give and receive scriptural correction, uh, clear up relationships with others when they're messed up, when you offend somebody, when you're offended, go get it straightened out with the person. If you will live that way, if we're a group that lives out these attitudes, people are drawn to those because they, they, meet, they meet needs. They, they act... They, they allow us to continue to relate to each other in a way that we can enjoy it. We can really, you know, everybody offends, everybody disappoints, everybody gets offended and gets disappointed. But if we'll commit to working through those, we can continue on to, to live life and enjoy the group and not, and not get burnt by it. So if we do these hard attitudes here, then we become a kind of place that draws people toward them. And also, if we'll do them in family life, at work, in our neighborhoods, if we'll if we'll look out for the interests of others, if we'll live this way appropriately uh, in in these arenas, well, they, we're blessed across the board. These These are really good. And so. We, we relate with these values that you find in Scripture, and also we work in a certain way. We, we, we're not perfect. We don't do the hard attitudes perfectly. Nobody does. And we don't work toward these values that we have in our personal and project values. But they're, they're things like uh, humil- uh, faith, humility, teachability, patience, the value of people. When people come around here, the way we work together, we want them to be valued. And we, we, want, we want them to know it. So we want to show consideration in the way we relate, in the way we handle things. We want to buy up opportunities. This is what you see in the scripture. These are the values that, that you find. And then we want to have a certain team spirit as we work together. We want to be cohesive. We want to have a can-do attitude. We want to be inclusive. We want to include more and more people in what we're doing. These are the values that we're working on building into church life here, and then all of the network churches are sharing in in these as well. And so we're working together as a group of churches trying to learn how you develop a, a church culture that embodies these kind of values. And we fulfill our vision. Our vision is that these life-changing churches would be multiplying throughout the cities of the world. And we're going to fulfill that vision as a network by accomplishing our mission, which is to equip and resource leaders to develop and multiply life-changing churches. Leaders carry the culture in any organization. Um, it's, It's in those who are leading those who gain status in the group, but especially in the church, starting with the staff. So we're designing training programs to equip the pastor and his staff to create churches that help members and leaders uh, to live for what's important to God. And we, we emphasize training more than most churches because it's such a high value. 
and this isn't in, in your outline or it won't be on the screen, but 1 Timothy 4, 7, and 8 says, Have nothing to do with godless and silly myths, but train yourself in godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. So it, it's, if you grow in godliness, which just means to live a God-referenced life, if you understand how God's looking at life, and you choose to live his way, you choose to, to choose, you choose the attitudes, the approach, the character that he would choose, the words that he would use in your situation, in your shoes, that, that blesses you across the board in every area of life. And so we, we've developed several training programs to, to help accomplish this goal of us growing in godliness to be more like Christ. Maybe, maybe you've participated in one of them. Our newest program is called Horizon. Uh, there's the Horizon logo on the screen. It was created so that participants could experience the Christian adventure. It's designed to help people strengthen their relationship with God, learn more about the heart attitudes, how to live those out, uh, to understand more of God's purpose for the church uh, and, and several other things. Here's a picture of all the pastors training together to get ready to lead this program. This is stuff you'd never see if I didn't show you. But the pastors get together and we work on how to, how to develop and lead these programs. North Star is an entry-level two-year training program for lay leaders that's being used in our churches. Um, and... Here, here are the pastors meeting to work through this. This has been a very helpful thing. The Antioch Project is another program that we've developed. It's a five-year intensive and intentional ministry training program we offer for men and women who believe God is calling them into vocational ministry. It's, it's a unique, hands-on, character-shaping and leadership skills-forming training program at a graduate level, there's one campus in Fort Worth, Texas at Hope, which is the mother of all of our churches and uh, or grandmother, depending. Um, the other campus is here in Southern California. And all the pastors who've been speaking in this series, we work together to train the folks at a graduate level in this Antioch Project program. Um, we, we recently had our first graduation in Southern California in June, and here's a picture of that graduation uh, in, in June. Harold Bullock is the founder of 17.6 Network, and I believe you've heard from him uh, this. I think he did a video that was probably shown a few weeks ago. But a piece of his vision early on, was to establish a graduate seminary-level training program to raise up leaders who would go out to start churches and ministries. And the first time I heard about his dream of doing that was almost 40 years ago. I, I, just, I just turned 60 last month, so I'm dealing with that. No, I'm, I'm happy about that. That's fine. Um, I, I'm good with that. I'm just I'm just learning to live a new decade right now. I'm trying to figure out what's this decade contain here. But um, anyway, 
The first time I heard about his dream to have this kind of program was almost 40 years ago, and I thought at the time, I thought, well, that's, you know, that's a good idea, but come on. How is that going to (laughs) happen? Really? And in August of 2015, we signed an agreement, the Network of Churches, um, we signed an agreement with Northwest Baptist Seminary to make the Antioch Project a fully accredited Master of Divinity degree. So as you go through Antioch, you're working on your Master of Divinity degree, if you so choose. Here's a picture of our first graduation. And you'll see me more, way more dressed up than I like to be there in, in, the, in the robe. <laughs> um, but anyway, it's amazing what God's doing to put these things together. Um, 17.6 Network's name comes from a statement made about some of the earliest Christ followers. Uh, in Acts 17.6, that's why the numbers. These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. This is what God wants to do through every Christ follower. He wants to turn the world upside down. Basically, the 17.6 network exists if God were allowed to, to be used to turn the world right side up. Because if you turn the world upside down, it's, it's right side up. When somebody comes to follow Christ, the Lord turns them the right side up. God in his word, the Bible, is showing us which way is up. And I think of, you know, a moving box with fragile, this side up with the arrow. You know, that's, that's what the Bible shows us, this side up. This is the way we need to live. This is how we need to move forward. Our goal in the network is to have an influence in our world during our generation. And I've shared some of the programs We've developed for our churches. There's no shortage of vision. We're we're hoping in the future, if the Lord allows and provides the resources to develop a cutting-edge school that would provide more than just curriculum and a course of study, but it would help train and encourage parents to raise kids who embody kingdom values and also provide a team or a cohort for both the kids and the parents to do that. That That's a very valuable thing. We're also trying to build bridges across the U.S. and other parts of the world. Here's our website. I've been joking as I, I've been doing this message. This, this is the sixth time Cindy's heard this message. It's the second time Maddie Kleps has heard it because she was at Orange Crest when I did it. Um, hope it's getting better. <laughs> but anyway, um, we're going around and we're, we're doing these, these messages. And I've been saying this is our website, so now you know we're legitimate. That's how you know somebody's legitimate. You have a website. No, okay, I'm just, I'm just having fun. It takes a lot more than a website to be legitimate, that's for sure. But I love the picture here on our website. The piers of the bridge here represent individual pastors and their churches. And the bridge represents the network itself. Alone, we're each limited to impacting our specific geographical location. But together, we're able to go places by building bridges between ourselves and other partners and teammates that we couldn't go alone. 
if we if we build these bridges, we 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 can we can get things done and go places we could never go on our own. And so we're pooling our resources, our time, our money, and making the effort to build the network so that we can do this. We're working together to extend our work here in the U.S. and other countries. 17.6 took trips, uh, different team members from different churches, took some trips this summer to different places in the world. Uh, Two trips, two teams went to Chico, one to help with a building project of our church there, another trip uh, with team members to go back to Chico to the campus of uh, the the school there, Chico State, to help with the student ministry. We also sent a team to Bangkok, Thailand in September to help Tim Owens with his work there. He's a friend, longtime friend of, of ours that is doing work in um, Thailand. And Alex is going to show a video next week of uh, the the work that these teams have been doing. But we're also working to translate our North Star training program into Thai because Tim Owen sees a gap as a believer in Thailand. As they decide to follow Christ, there's a gap between the time when they're able to go into further training. If they feel called into the ministry, there's a two year gap. They have to wait two years. And so he sees North Star as something that will uh, bridge that gap, and so we're working to translate. It's been s- somewhat challenging. I, I can't read that. I don't know about you, but um, anyway, that's something we're working on. We're continuing to build bridges to Germany through some friendships we all share. A team is returning from Bonn. Actually, they returned uh, from Bonn, Germany yesterday, uh, helping Anya Geilert there, whom many of us know. There are some ways uh, we're partnering as churches to accomplish more together than we could do alone. I just wanted to give you a a little broader taste and a little broader picture of the connection of this church to a broader network of churches who are working together on these things. I hope it's been encouraging to you. Uh, As I wrap up this morning, I want to encourage you to think about a next step. What's a next step that you could take as a result of hearing this message this morning? I have... Two steps suggested. Uh, they're on your listening guide on the back of that and then also on uh, the c- connection card. But the first step would be to identify with Christ some way this week. If you haven't let people at work know you're a Christ follower or extended family or friends, I mean, this is Thanksgiving week. Um, and you don't have to be obnoxious about identifying with Christ. You just say, hey, I'll, as somebody shares a concern, I'll pray for you about that. Then they kind of have, they have an idea or just mention that you went to church this weekend or whatever it is. Just somehow let people know that you're a follower of Christ. Um, and then the second step I'd suggest is to explore ways to work on the team of this church to help it accomplish its mission. As you do that, your growth in Christ is compounded. And its effectiveness. You, you understand more of how God has put life together as you walk with a team than as you walk alone. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for your goodness, your kindness, your grace. 
And I ask for the strength to take these steps that you've laid on our heart to take and any others that you have spoken to, God. We pray for your help and we just ask that you'd be honored and glorified by our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.